welcome you officially. I'm Lee Henson Hasty. I'm with the Theological Education Fund at the Presbyterian Foundation, supporting future ministers and operating uh, and sheltering in place in my home office um, here uh, with my family nearby um, and a sunny day here in Louisville. And I'm with my friend, uh, mentor uh, along the way, uh, Jose Irizarry, who is the vice president for education at uh, our sister agency, uh, the Board of Pensions. He is in, that's in Philadelphia. He lives in Chestnut. Chesterbrook. Chesterbrook, okay. So close by, and he's also doing the same, um, sheltering in place and operating from there. And hey, what better venue to talk about education in a virtual society um, than in this kind of place? So I'll just say, I wanna introduce you, but just say hello to folks uh, out there, Jose. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining. Uh, saludos a todos y muy buenas tardes. Beautiful. <laughs> glad you're here. Yeah. Um, I think some people are joining back. Jim Kitchen's out there, and um, hopefully we'll have others. Good to have you, Jim. So let me just, if you don't know Jose and why he is qualified for all of these things, I had to print out all these things so I make sure I remember. Um, but one cool thing, people don't realize the academy sometimes, how it matters. Jose is a former president, uh, or not currently, the president of the Religious Educators Association. Are you former president? Ago. Former. Yeah, former president. That's his field in sort of higher, in, in religious education. Um, he um, is, uh, has so many experiences. We've learned and Y'all get to see just a little preview. I think Elizabeth Caldwell was one of your uh, religious educators when you were at McCormick as an mm -hmm. MDiv student, which you came back later, right? Was formative yes. for you before you went to Northwestern for your PhD um, in, uh, in society and personality sciences. He also has a degree from McCormick um, where he also later went back to serve as a dean of doctoral programs. I met him there in my my doctor of ministry program. He, he kept pushing me. He was great. Uh, Luis and Jose, they were the ones. Uh, he was um, dean of uh, another Presbyterian-related school, the Evangelical Seminary in Puerto Rico, Seminario Evangelico to Puerto Rico, um, for four years. Director at Cambridge College, which I think did primarily online education, correct? Or hybrid. It was a hybrid. Hybrid, hybrid education. Um, he is, in addition to being the vice president for education at the Board of Pensions, um, continues teaching part-time, but he was full-time with uh, Villanova in the School of Arts and Sciences, um, intercultural pedagogical practices, ethics and of difference, Latino-Latina practical theology, uh, religious aspects, uh, aesthetics of space. Um, but one of his courses, people, one of his courses has to do with monsters in the title. What is the title of that course? It's Religion, Monsters, and Aliens. Religion, I mean, I, I want to sign up. Maybe I should. If you're going <laughs> online, I should sign up for that class. Um, he, is, uh, he, he is from Puerto Rico where he, he says he learned to walk, maybe to talk and to crawl in the pews of the church. 
-hmm. He was called into preaching as young as the age of 15 and mentored into ministry um, in that church and congregation. That, that church continues to call him even into this role that he is in now in very creative ways. He served uh, also on the Committee on Theological Education in a variety of roles, both institutional and an elected representative. There's only a few people I think they've done that. I'm thinking Cynthia Campbell and you, and I don't know if, if there are any others. That may be it. Um, and he uh, has degrees also from um, Universidad de Puerto Rico, his BA in philosophy, Boston University, a certificate in professional fundraising, project management in the School of Engineering at Cornell, and online learning design, that's the most recent in 2019, um, just a consummate learner. <laughs> you, you're not only an educator, you're a learner. And I think that's a real gift. Um, and just thank you for being here today to talk about this. I know Credo and the educational programs at the Board of Pensions are right at the heart of who you are, but to help us, the church, and the, those who are watching today, um, think about, there's some other theological educators. I see uh, James Tanati and Anna Pickney is back, Glenn Bell, Mary Pack, former nice. colleague. Hello, Hello Mary. out there. Um, uh, tell us, uh, tell us uh, first, um, before we jump into the topic, I'd love to hear, even in these days, you, you are so attentive to your vocation and discernment. What is it that is helping you come alive? Like Howard Thurman says, you know, it's not what the world needs, but it's, it's what makes you come alive because that's what the world needs is people coming alive. What is making you come alive these days? First of all, uh, Lee, thank you for your generous and kind introduction. Uh, it's not the first time I hear you introducing me. <laughs> and after you finish uh, your narrative, I always, a thought comes to mind and is, I want to meet that person. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a nice guy. Um, so, well, thank you. And, um, you know, we have been friends for a long time, so I'm happy to have the, this conversation. Um, uh, just a caveat, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, education in the virtual society. Um, from a pedagogical perspective. So for those who are here, uh, if you have issues with technology, uh, please don't call me after this interview. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, we're gonna talk uh, largely about the challenges of trying to do formation online um, and at a distance. Uh, but I, I understand there, there, there's also interest in um, how to maximize the use of the technology we have and that's uh, basically something I'm, I'm learning like everybody else. So uh, I'm not an expert, uh, nor claim to be one. So hopefully we can learn together as we go through. Um, now, your question is interesting because uh, vocation, the call, uh, usually changes around circumstances. And True. Uh, these days I have been thinking more about my primary call, which is the call that many of us have to be ministers of our own households. <laughs> um, you, you were quoting Howard Thurman and you know, what, what gives you life. And to mine came uh, another quote by uh, Clara Augusta Niebuhr. We were talking about Elizabeth Cowell. She introduced 
many of us to the sister of the neighbors and she wrote poetry. She taught oh. him in the 40s and the 50s. And, and she wrote this poem entitled, These Little Frictions at Home. So what gives this me little, life- This little- Frictions, frictions, frictions. at home. Okay. Yeah. And what gives me life these days are those little frictions at home. I think we are right now- That's encouraging. <laughs> That's well, encouraging. It is. If you think about it, uh, you know, as ministers of households, of relationships in several homes, uh, we have been, uh, we're institutional beings. As modern people, we're institutional beings. And all the institutions we belong to have collapsed in one place. We call right. home. Right. Uh, our home is now church. Our home Amen. is now workplace. Our home is now um, school. <laughs> and 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 my, when, my trainer my trainer says it's also <laughs> the gym <laughs> yeah and it's a gym it's everything well what happens is when those things coalesce in one place then it takes from the people who understand that space to belong to them right so right. these little frictions at home for example debating what to have for dinner when everybody wants something different Right. Um, or discussing an assignment and having different opinions. Those things are a reminder that families are reclaiming that space and that those moments are precious. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, uh, if I remember well, the poem, uh, it ends saying that outside of those frictions, and you know that frictions create heat, uh, life can be very cold. And True. the poem ends saying uh, something like um, how you know, cold it can be without those frictions at home and the love that is the source of those frictions. Beautiful. So what is bringing me to life is having those moments where we can sit and become a family again and reclaim the space that belongs to a household. So. Beautiful. That, that really is encouraging. I mean, I, I'm in conversation with um, friends and colleagues, many who are in ministry full time, and I think that speaks to them and it's, it's really helpful and it's, it's tiring. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, it's very exhausting. You're never really off. Um, but that, that is encouraging. And I know you do that alongside, by the way, I didn't mention, he is also a spouse, partner, life partner for decades, and mm -hmm. two, three children. Three children. Three children mm -hmm. um, um, who are educating themselves all over the world. One still in Philadelphia, and the others in Italy and Scotland, and I feel like mm -hmm. recently. So, um, you, but everybody's home right now, right? Uh, except for my daughter, who is uh, in Puerto Rico, but she's okay. coming home before okay. heading to Scotland. And, and you know, the only place we have not been able to capture, the only space is nature uh, yeah. inside the house. So <laughs> I, think, I think that's another thing that brings me life. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, we should uh, practice some more intentional contemplation walks, just right. uh, listening to nature around us. So um, this makes me think about our topic. Is there a way to translate that kind of holy space, that kind of 
that kind of friction, uh, little frictions out into a virtual space. You know, um, uh, I have to say in our conversation last week, I wasn't really sure we had Eric Law, Eric Wall, not Law, Eric Wall, who's a musician and Ted Wardlaw, and he played without even, um, you know, singing the words of him that I knew and it moved me to tears. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it can happen here, but yes. how do you create that kind of holy space, that form formative space um, in a virtual uh, environment and society? And um, Well, the, the interesting thing is that there's no single answer to that because there are different right. standards of what an environment like this can do. Uh, I think we were very intentional when we titled this chat, this conversation, <laughs> you know, uh, in virtual society. Uh, we can use different words. We can use actually uh, the virtual community. Many people use the word community. Community. Mm -hmm. I understand that to be a little bit debatable for some people. <laughs> um, I, I like the word society because the word society refers to um, to the creation of networks of interaction between people who have some kind of similar goal in, in life. Um, and in this case, probably we don't have a similar goal in life, but we have something that brings us together and is our dependency on technology. Right. So we, through technology, we can create those networks. And it's interesting that even in, in technological language, we use the word network Right. <laughs> about how things interact with each other. So society, I think, is a safe thing to use. That's what we call about social, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, social uh, media. Uh, right. We can talk about virtual society because that's what mm -hmm. we are asked to do to engage this way. Um, and, and it is very proper. Um, it's nurturing a relationship. I mean, it's, it's about... It's nurturing interactions. It's called, uh, it's more interactions that are uh, informative first and can be formative, but with more intention. Right. Meaning we cannot assume that by itself, the medium will be formative. It cannot formative, but it's primarily informative. Um, and and we, when we speak about uh, the social, um, which actually challenges the way we're using the language social these days, for example, when we speak about social distance. And I know we have been in social media discussing, this doesn't sound good because mm -hmm. a person who distances from the network of society is antisocial or asocial. Right. Right. Um, so the question, actually, the commitment we have when we're using these means is the commitment to social proximity, not to mm -hmm. social distance. Mm -hmm. Social proximity Mm -hmm. in light of our physical separation or physical distancing mm -hmm. and social proximity if i can use the words of the great singer diana ross is please you know, how do we uh, sing it out? why don't you sing it for us i, I mean you're a singer a too reach out and touch <laughs> so yeah so it's Body's about how can we yes, yes how can we reach out and touch now that we cannot reach out with an embrace with a handshake mm -hmm. uh, how we use technology for that reaching out and technology is just one artifact for reaching out there are many other ways we right. can do and right. i don't know if that had happened to you but my experience in these last two months have been how people have start using again snail mail i have all right cards than before that's an artifact uh, um yes you will show me <laughs> I, ha I have postcards right here 
Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I collect postcards <laughs> and I have, I've like someday I will send these postcards and I've been sending them. Like here's one of, uh, some folks will recognize you can see What's that. That's Montreal. That's that's oh yes, assembly in you know, which I'm not going to get yeah. to see this summer. Yeah, and uh, here's one where our family went to Rock City. Nice. So yeah. you you should start sending those. <laughs> yeah, and, and this this is my my presbytery is coastal Carolina. Yeah, I have you know it's it really is true, and that's so it's not like we we had to we have some new art artifacts, some new yeah. tools. Yeah to use. It's not like we haven't done this before. Yeah. I mean, yeah. because... And we, have, and we have new and old, you know, right. and, and simple too. You know, it's the phone call that you can make. It's right. the, the card you can send. It is the plate of cookies you can drop at your right. neighbor's home, which right. actually my neighbors have never uh, bring to my home anything except for the last two, two weeks, you know, wow. which is they're bringing bags of tea in rainy days, so these are ways of connecting and getting right. closer as a society. When, so I think we can agree on that, where things become a little bit debatable, even in the literature on the education in the virtual community is, uh, sorry, the virtual space is when we speak about community. Right. Because of the different understandings we have about community and education. Um, I remember, although, Online education has been present in the current form since the 80s. I think the first uh, uh, online course was uh, delivered on 1984 in the University of Toronto. Wow. Uh, theological education, we started a little bit later. And we started later in the 90s, mid-90s, late 90s, because of the shifts on enrollment, second career people. Sure. Um, changing models of residence or not right. and 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 one of the first resistance and i was part of the resistance let me tell you uh, oh yeah i was part of that resistance with other faculty members was yes this is a way in which we can capture a larger audience of students we can reach out uh to students we couldn't before but how can we define that as a real community without the the presence of the person Right. without this incarnational. So we turned the conversation into a theological conversation. How can we be a community in the Christian sense without the incarnational component? Right, that's a question I think church leaders yes. right at the top of their, you know, <laughs> when they're talking about gathering virtually, I mean, gathering, you know, uh -huh. face to face. This is, this is the question. I was, I was just with a friend, a friend of, uh, my daughters and he was just like i miss church i miss being there i miss yeah. being there even though he says i'm there you know in a worship space so i think that's yeah. you've got i what i've heard you say is there has to be some intentionality around how yes. you gather that so it's not just you can't just necessarily put out a one-way you know video for example and say it's done church is done right i mean yeah. that's I mean, that, that's not even what we say when we are gathering um, face to face. And it's just not that worship hour, right? That we're it's trying. not, it's not. But, but, but we need to realize also that we were pushing to this reality without much time to right. plan and think about it in a more. Um, There's grace here. <laughs> There's grace. Because, uh, you know, it's, 
when you think about a virtual space, you look at it as um, an architect will look into building a house. Mm -hmm. um, right. The architect will not build a house and say, this is a house, now place a house wherever you want. The architect will look at the environment mm. and see what fits this environment and start developing on that sense. Yeah, because have, because yeah. big church, big city, or small church, big city, I mean, you know, Puerto Rico versus Iowa, mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be different. I mean, right. So it's not like you can just cookie cutter. Exactly. This. But when you're pushing to a reality like this, the tendency is to try to find the models. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to do this fast, like for example, right. this happened uh, a Saturday and slowly on Sunday, we have to have right. our <laughs> online service. Um, so, so it is okay that we're exploring and experimenting, but we have to be looking forward. This is not only transitional. I think this reality will stay with us for a long time. Um, and then we have to accept the fact that even when theologically we can speak incarnationally, even when educationally we use metaphors that are bio-organic, like for example, growth, mm. nurture, uh, all those things, um, we will continue to use means like this mm -hmm. um, to help people form each other mm -hmm. and to create a different kind of social interaction mode. And we need to start getting ready for that rather than just saying, this is going to be transitional, let's pass right. through it and let's go on. And so I will say, just to say, after the 90s and that discussion, I still consider that we can still do a community online, but that community is defined differently. Meaning okay. there are communities and there are communities. That's fine. We, we, you know, there's a community, for example, the online community, um, because it's hypertextual, it's about symbols and words, and there are words behind words. Um, <laughs> you can get more information in a space like that that you can get in a face-to-face Interaction. Nice catalog, you have notes. <laughs> yes, and not only that, you are constrained in the face-to-face -face by the space and time, mm -hmm. not in the online community. The online community it, it be allows you, yeah. mm -hmm. asynchronous, it allows you to go into different places to look for information, mm -hmm. so you're more informed. So that, in that sense, that's a different kind of community and forms knowledge in a different way, which is very rich. But on the other side, you have this other community that is important too, that is the, 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 the Fletch community um, that adds some of the senses that you cannot have through the online experience. Um, the sense of smell, for example, which is so right. important for, honestly, for a community. Sure. Um, I'm reading a, a, a couple of books by Ivan Illich, who is a priest in the 70s. I recommend uh, for those of you who have not read him, uh, critical of institutions, radical at his time, but he was actually having very good conversations about this transition of our, What's, our let's get the name, how do you spell it? Ivan is I-V as in Victor, mm -hmm. A-N, mm -hmm. Illich is I-L-L-I-C-H. Okay. Um, he taught at... Not, not, it's Tillich without the, Tillich without the T. Without the T. And he <laughs> was, um, he actually, um, was um, provost at the university, Catholic University in Puerto Rico for a long time. Uh -huh. And, uh, but he is from Vienna and he taught also okay. at, uh, and I discovered 
that David Ramesh invited him wow. to teach a course. He was already very famous around the world, a special course on 1991, something like that. It was my last year in seminary, and I missed it. Oh, no. Um, and he died afterwards, so it was, it was kind of interesting. And I still have the letters he exchanged with David Ramesh because I'm doing some research wow. on wow. the course he wanted to develop. And the course was really about looking forward to technology becoming an, an wow. institution and how we wow. manage that. And what he says is that there are communities where the smell of the community, mm. uh, think about a church um, that uses incense, for example, or, mm. or, or even the people who sit around you, they have the same right. kind of, so, so it's a different way of interacting. It's mm. not less a community, it's not more a community, but it's a distinctive community. And the intentionality that goes into constructing both communities right. is, is different. You know, you're making me, I don't know if I'm, I'm doing a little translation in my mind back to the very beginning of our conversation about being ministers and cultivators of community in your own mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. um, the the um, worship community that we're a part of has weekly communion. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's sort of known one of the, you know, often the bread is baked and there's various breads, but sort of early on the bread that was shared was this, it's a, it's a brand called the King's Hawaiian loaf. Uh, mm. It's, it's a very <laughs> sweet bread. Do you know yes, it? With pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> right, with pineapple exactly. juice. Yeah. Right. And Mary, just, Mary she'll know. Yeah. Mary will know. Um, <laughs> by the way, Carmen is with us. Stephen Smith, Combs, Carmen Rosario, Greg Bolt, Perry Chang. I nice. saw others. Uh, Juan Sarmento, Chris White, Jessica Tate, glad to have you all. Uh, Bill Marie, our co-moderator, hey, we should Marie. stand up <laughs> um, and sit down. Um, uh, it, it made me think of that bread because our kids, they kind of misheard it and we didn't correct them. They called it not communion bread, but the community's bread. Oh, and wow. we would make sure, you can buy it also in smaller rolls. Mm -hmm. We would make sure to have it at home. And mm -hmm. I have to say, having that bread at home you know, <laughs> seems silly, uh, but it was, uh, and I'm thinking we haven't done that during this. We haven't bought any in this um, shelter in place, but I'm going to go get some <laughs> if I can find some, because it, it does remind me of kind of the taste and the flavor um, yes. and some Welch's grape juice, you know, <laughs> of being yeah. together in communities. So that's, is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Is trying yeah, to yeah. find ways to bridge those gaps. That's correct. And also a reminder that perhaps we are becoming more aware now of um, the particularities of each community. Right. So things that you never thought before, like for example, wow, having communion with this bread is significant. It, yeah. it ties me to the community. Right. We didn't think about that because it was so normalized right. in our rituals. Maybe, maybe I'll now, deliver it. I'll deliver it to, to yeah. people's houses <laughs> now. You got me thinking. Our time is, is going oh. fast. And there's so many gifts that Jose also, we could talk about this more. Mm -hmm. Hopefully y'all get to know him, ask some questions. He is on Facebook um, too and tag there. Um, he's an artist. He's a musician, he's a preacher, but he also is a collector of children's books. Mm -hmm. And I sent him a little message a couple hours ago and I said, you know, maybe you have some recommendations, some of the best recommendations ever on children's books I have received from you. 
Um, and you said, you know, Lee, I know you. I already was thinking. I <laughs> so he knows me. So do you have any children's books as we get toward our close to recommend? Well, okay. Um, man, I wish we had more time. You know, I know. Many well, things to talk we about. Again. We can do it again. Yeah, because I think that there are many things, since we have already posted a challenge about how to build the community, having a conversation about how we actually concretely can think about building that community online right. um, will, will be a good well, point to continue a conversation. Well, maybe Jose, let's do something together that, ha that um, you know, I'll help get people there and you help yeah. us. I mean, we could have a larger conversation about that. Um, I'm, I'm one, I'm 100% in. Great. <laughs> well, as, as Lee said, um, I knew he was going to ask me about the children books because, uh, and, and probably these are not new and I'm glad Bill Marie's around because she is reading children books these That's days. That's true. That is true. Reading. Um, so I don't know if these are going to work, but um, these are the ones that I'm reading and using lately. Uh, this one, which I recommended to you before, is I Need a Monster. <laughs> Thinking about this is the first book I use for my class, uh, Monsters, to start just like with some levity. In the, monsters, in the aliens, and... And religion, aliens, and monsters. Religion, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But this book, um, if if you cannot get it right now, there's uh, in YouTube, there's a reading of this book by Rita Moreno, okay. uh, Oscar-winning actress. A wonderful reading of the book, and I like the book because it's a book not only about the normalization of our fears, especially in children, but also for adults. Because for me. Uh, there, there are two levels to any children's story, the sure. one that is grasped by children and the one by adults. For adults is, why do we have a need to construct monsters? What, what is the psychological need? And the book actually says that we feel comfortable with our monsters. We right. need monsters to feel right. safe in some ways. Um, and we have to create that order that is different so that we can feel we, you safe know, It's in funny, our Elizabeth and I were talking about this for some reason, maybe because I was talking about you um, this week, and we were saying how brilliant it was the creators of Sesame Street had all mm -hmm. of those monsters who monsters, were our yeah. friends. I mean, Grover, yeah. you know, is yeah. our friend. Even Oscar the Grouch. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they're all they're our, our friends, friends and, and they're needed. <laughs> yeah. uh, this one, it's more of um, this is separate, it's never equal. Uh -huh. It's more a memoir kind of book for ch children. It's a story of Sylvia Mendes, uh, who um, she's an American citizen, a little girl who um, went to a new school in California, Westminster, uh, California. And she was told because she was of a Mexican as, uh, descent that she needed to go to a Mexican school, even when she couldn't speak Spanish that well. Um, and this was seven years before the, uh, the landmark um, Brown versus uh, wow. education. Wow. So that they have a lawsuit and it's a good story. And the last one, when God oh, gave us wow. words. I haven't seen that. And this one, I'm not gonna tell you much about it except for the fact that when God created the human being, um, God um, decided to give them words and the angels opposed that proposal. <laughs> That's because, awesome. Yes, so I'm not gonna tell you how it ends, but they didn't like the idea because they were a little bit concerned about what humans will do with words. And 
honestly, the angels may be right. <laughs> well, I will say I love the phone, but having a visual and there's so much in the, in the, you know, the communication nonverbals, it's so good to see your face truly Thank and you. hear your voice uh, for you to share some of your story and wisdom, um, your joy. Um, and I wonder as we sign off, uh, Jose, um, mm -hmm. if you would be willing to give a charge, a blessing, okay. a benediction to, to our friends who are out there. And um, uh, thanks again for uh, just a wonderful, wonderful um, afternoon for me. Thank you. So uh, before I do that, for all of those who join in, um, thank you. Muchas gracias. Uh, those of you who I know and don't know, um, you can uh, Facebook uh, friend me and ask me any question or send me an email uh, if you want to continue the conversation. So uh, yes, really enjoy right. this. Really enjoy this. Um, well, we're living in difficult, challenging times. So uh, my blessing for you today is that uh, when the pathways of hope close, uh, may you find a way. When yeah. the voices around you sound ambivalent and uncertain, may you be captured by truth. And when all dreams seem to wither uh, in the winter of our souls, may you be awakened by life. Mm. Uh, the one I am who is the way, the truth, and the life uh, be with you as you face the world and you. Thank you. Amen. Okay, I had my moment there too. Almost got me. Oh, <laughs> Thank come on. You. That was beautiful. <laughs> I needed to hear Blessings. that. I, sus I suspect others did too. Um, Next week, um, we'll have, I think you may know uh, David King. Do you know David King? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the Lake School Philanthropy yes. uh, Family School um, is going to be with us to talk about congregational finances, uh, which is very important in this time. Hope you'll join us then. He's just been part of a, a huge research project around this area. And um, you're giving me a nod that you want to hear David King, right? Yes, I will. I will be there. <laughs> He's excellent. He's really excellent. Have a, be safe and uh, enjoy your family. I hope your uh, daughter arrives safely back soon. And um, let's, don't, don't be a stranger. Stay in touch. Mm -hmm.